You're listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. And we're going to be talking about a very fun subject today called cost segregation, which is an advanced way you can go out there and do some financial engineering around depreciation. Now, I'm being very sarcastic and being a fun topic, but I'll tell you what it is. It is a very important topic for real estate investing and really for building wealth in real estate. A lot of the savvy investors I know spend a lot of time, money, and energy understanding depreciation and making sure they can maximize the benefit because it's a very impressive way to basically juice your returns on the property. So I've got my co-host Jenny Bayless here today to walk us through an example in a fourplex that she bought earlier this year. Hey, Jenny, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Chris? Doing good. I I actually, I really love geeking out on these topics with you (laughs) because they're fun, they're nuanced, and uh, it's also fun just to kind of get your perspective and debate a thing or two on here. Yeah, I'm really excited. I I think we're kind of showing our nerdy sides right now, but I'm I'm really excited to go through this and kind of show everyone the power of of cost seg because, like you said, it's it's a really complex topic. Um, you know, I probably only know enough to be slightly dangerous on it. Um, I think you probably feel the same way about yourself. So, but it's it's fascinating when you can kind of see the impact from it. Yes. And with all that said, we are next. We are not tax professionals. We are not your CPA. So we're going to give you stuff that we've researched, stuff that we've done with own properties, and tell you and relate to you the best info that we know. But always, always, always double check with your tax professional. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> so just a little bit of background. Um, I know that there's some uh, other cost segregation study. You know. Uh, topics that we we've had um, quite recently. We had um, Bonnie Griffin Cake on, and she went over the concept of cost seg. I know that you have a couple podcasts with Yona Weiss, where you actually walk through a building, which I love that episode. Um, I think that it's great. Everyone should you know go back and, and listen and, and watch all of those episodes. But just kind of scratching the surface, I just thought that it would be. Um, useful to go into detail on a very typical purchase that our, our our customers are seeing. So I think that's kind of you know the the best way to to go into it. So I know you did cost seg last year. This is my first year doing um, cost segregation studies. So well, um, welcome to the club. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Um, it's kind and of that's, you know that's where all the cool kids are at, right, Jenny? Yeah, the cost seg club. <laughs> cost seg club. Okay, cool. <laughs> Um, and just kind of like, just to open people's awareness to it, I think is the best way to describe this podcast. And, um, we have a little disclaimer that says, you know, depending on your personal tax situation, it may make a lot of sense for you to do this. It may make no sense for you to do this. So it's just, you know, allowing people to kind of make that decision for themselves and, and have that conversation with their CPA. Yes. And which is, uh, again, this is a, uh, we want to keep it educational, uh, but also really emphasize the power of this. So we're going to go through lots of numbers and we'll post this in the show notes for the details, but make sure you stick to some of the key concepts. 
because this can actually have a huge impact in your return and allow you to buy more properties sooner and basically create more cash flow. So this is um, just using our spreadsheet that we typically use. I put in a fourplex that I purchased back in February. And I admit, I purchased it with a heavy emphasis on the tax benefits that I was going to receive um, for a couple, just a couple of reasons this year. It, ma- it made sense for us to, to do that. Um, so, you know, we bought this, this fourplex and I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty of the numbers because that's less important um, for this, you know, for this topic, I would say. But we bought it for 800000 um, put 25% down. So, you know, we're all in about 200K. Um, we did get a good mortgage rate, which at the time I was not super thrilled about. But in hindsight, I think it's, you know, uh, a gold mine now. So 4.375% um, earlier this year. And for this analysis, I actually put in performa rent. So like, I'm not even getting this for three out of the four properties or three of four units in this property. Um, we're only getting it for the one that we had a turnover in because we had, you know, long-term good paying tenants in there. So this is performa. This, so this is like best case scenario, um, kind of going through that. So, you know, going through the normal inputs that we normally do um, with property management, I wanted it to be hands-off, uh, 8% for maintenance. We have 2,100 for taxes, 2,600 for insurance. Um, over 5,000 for water, sewer, trash, landscaping. Um, you know, we're, we're implementing a bill back on it, but kind of the, you know, drum roll annual cash flow before taxes, $700. (laughs) That's performa. So assuming everything kind of goes according to plan, it's a break even property. So Chris, what do you think? Is this a good property? Um, I mean, from a cash flow perspective, no. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I should say, no, it's not a good property, but it's, you know, we all want to see higher cash flow. Yeah. Um, it, it's not exciting at all. No. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that this would get too many people up in the morning. Um, it's kind of, kind of how I see it. Um, but let's kind of dig in a little bit deeper into an actual engineering based cost segregation study that we had done on this property to kind of show everyone why I I actually do find this property to be extremely exciting. <laughs> so um, so on this chart, and yeah, this is definitely a podcast that I think you'll want to go back and reflect on the show notes um, afterwards and, and take a look so you can digest all the numbers since we're going to be just shouting a lot of numbers at you during this. Um, I think it's good to kind of sit and, and focus on it. Um, so I actually have a chart of the cost seg study that we had done and it shows, um, personal property that they identified land improvements that they identified and then the rest of the 27 and a half year property. So, um, I'm trying to think of like the best way to describe it, but basically what they did is they took this $800,000 fourplex and they, Based on the uh, assessor website, they determined that close to $100,000 of it was land. So you can't depreciate land. So that gets you know put aside for, for these purposes. So we're left with essentially a $700,000 depreciable asset at that point. 
And so what the engineering um, cost segregation study did is they went through the property and they identified $131,000 worth of what they consider to be five-year personal property. That can be things such as, you know, your refrigerator, certain flooring, um, things like that. And then they went through and they also identified $33,000 worth of land improvements. So that can be like fencing, um, you know, driveway, those little curb stopper things, you know, uh, just things like that, that they went through and they found. So we're talking um, about 160 something thousand dollars worth of a further delineated property. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense, Chris? I mean, it, it makes sense to me, but I'm, okay. I think I'm probably a few steps ahead of the listener since I've done a couple of these myself. Um, I mean, just from a conceptual standpoint, it's just breaking everything down in different categories, um, understanding, hey, there's different lifespans, different buckets. So that way you get accelerated appreciation and then up, you know, uh, lo- load them up front so you get this cr- nice one-year depreciation benefit. So get the concepts, then go on there, relook at things and recategorize things versus doing the default rule of thumb. Yeah. So so typically, like you just said, 27 and a half year property is, uh, you know, if if I had identified a $700,000 asset value, you know, separate from the land um, that can depreciate, normally you would just depreciate it over 27 and a half years. So um, on a, a your first full year, that's going to be about $25,000. So per year in depreciation. Whereas in the cost segregation study, since they've identified those different types of property um, lives, uh, useful lives, like I mentioned, 160,000 in five year and 15 year identified property. Then you have about, you know, your 530 something thousand um, that is still in that 27 and a half year bucket. So the reason why I'm spending a lot of time talking about this five year and the 15 year property is because um, I think that it's really important to emphasize that you need to have a conversation with your, your CPA, your tax professional about this concept and the concept of bonus depreciation. Um, so this is just a fantastic present that we're all given um, in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of, of 2018. And basically what it allows for is bonus depreciation, allows for assets with useful lives of 20 years or less placed into service after September 27th, 2017 to be 100% depreciated in the first year of service. So this means that Like I mentioned, on your first full year of depreciation, if we were just to straight line it, I would get $25,000. Whereas this uh, bonus depreciation rule allows me to front load the $160,000 plus, you know, that portion of my my building asset as well. Um, So that is just like, I mean, fantastic. That's that's a huge difference. Uh, 100, you know, 100 and... 80 or whatever I just said, you know, between the three types of properties versus 25. Um, that's extremely significant. Um, so starting at the end of this year, uh, December 31st, that hundred percent bonus depreciation decreases to 80% and it will decrease throughout time. 
Um, but I think that it's important to emphasize that even if there was no bonus depreciation, even though I wouldn't have been able to depreciate that all in the first year, I still would have been able to depreciate it on an accelerated schedule. So five years instead of 27 and a half years or 15 yep. years instead of 27 and a half years. Um, so I just kind of wanted to emphasize what exactly that means. And then, you know, even if you don't get to uh, take advantage of bonus depreciation, it's still beneficial um, in the long run. So now that we've put everyone to sleep um, on that topic. <laughs> well, I, uh, and actually let me add a, a few notes here since you mentioned, you know, working through CPA and this is a, uh, a couple, two pro tips I would say is number one, talk to your CPA now. Don't talk to them in March or April about this mm -hmm. uh, because when they're, you know, in full tax season mode, they are not in the mood or mindset to explore cost segregation, especially with new clients. That's been my impression of it. Secondly, um, I mean, evaluate uh, your CPA's expertise in real estate investing. As I've been talking a lot about depreciation, depreciation this last year, I've had some clients and their investors, you know, forward comments or questions from their CPA. And while it's never my place to say, oh, I don't think that's correct. Some of the emails, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, do you even know the tax code? One <laughs> CPA was like, oh, I think you can depreciate real estate. Oh like, my goodness. I mean, it was something, it was something, it might not be quite that absurd, but it was just absurd. He's like, oh, well, it's like a 20 year scale or a 20 year year or a 20 year uh, time frame. What's a 20 year? Nothing's a 20 year time frame. So um, <laughs> talk to your CPA now. And if your CPA is not uh, very familiar with real estate investing, um, now, before we get into tax time, is the time to go out there and find a CPA that's familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's a very complicated topic. And I don't think that unless that is kind of your area of expertise, like, you know, I, I would have to assume most accountants aren't well-versed in it. Um, and I say this as an accountant, so. <laughs> um, so, you know, just wanted to As mention... an accountant that is not actively practicing and is not taking on clients. So do not reach out yes, to Jenny don't... just to save you some emails yeah. or Jenny. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was my prior life. So, um, so you know, I just wanted to kind of emphasize that uh, you, this concept is great if you have a lot of rental real estate income to offset. Um, most people don't have a ton of rental real estate income that's too useful. So we'll kind of touch upon passive activity losses um, in the next slide. But just, you know, kind of keep this in mind that it, it might not benefit you. Um, so... I just wanted to kind of take one more step into, you know, another aspect that you may see a ton of potential, but this is kind of where you need to talk to your accountant again and say, how much rental real estate income do I actually have that this would be beneficial for me to use? Um, and, you know, Chris and I were talking about this beforehand, like if you have paid off properties or if you bought uh, a property 10 years ago in Denver, this might be good for you. It's just a topic of discussion because you might have a lot of, of passive income that you need to, to offset. Um, so there's one other topic that, that, that we agreed that we are not going to get too far in the weeds on. The, the punchline is talk to your CPA, see if you qualify. But there is a um, section within the tax code that um, 
is called the Real Estate Professional, uh, and it's called it's uh, Section four six nine C seven B. So talk to your accountant about that. But really, uh, in a you know larger sense, rental real estate losses are treated as passive activity losses, um, which are only deductible against other passive activity income. So it's called PAL. So any PAL um, unused, uh, meaning that you don't have enough passive income to deduct, the loss is carried forward. So if you're already operating, uh, you know, at a passive activity loss, or you have very minimal cash flow, it might not be worth it to do a cost seg study for a typical investor. If you know you have 160 or 180 in, in my last slide thousand um, dollars to of of you know depreciation that you can use. But you only have a thousand dollars in passive income. That's probably not, you know, worthwhile in your case. However, if you qualify as a real estate professional, um, as I as I just mentioned, talk to your CPA about that um, because there's that's a whole other topic, um, and it's very hard to qualify as that. There's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through. Um, but if you do, then the passive activity rules do not apply and the losses are treated as non-passive. So in other words, if you're able to qualify as that real estate professional, with the IRS rules, you can actually offset your ordinary income, which is like your W-2 or Schedule C income with your rental real estate losses. Um, And I think we're probably going to stop that conversation right there. (laughs) Yeah. So again, this comes down to just, you know, tax law is not simple. So talk to your CPA to see if you if the rep status you qualify for it and if it makes sense. And also understand, as Jenny mentioned a few minutes ago, there's a lot of different scenarios where you can still benefit from cost seg and some of these advanced depreciation strategies without also being a rep status. So again, mm-hmm. educate yourself and make sure you work with a CPA that is on top of their game. Yeah, exactly. So with the case of, of going back to the real life example that we're talking about. Um, so I am qualifying as a rep this year. So, um, you know, kind of went through that with a fine tooth comb. Definitely. I'm qualifying for that. So great. So that means that even though I, I don't have, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I don't even know what my my rental, um, my passive income is this year. So I don't know. Whatever. We'll we'll just move on to uh, uh, you know, the reps piece of it where I can offset my my ordinary income on that. Um, if I uh, if I were to do that, which I am. So um, kind of going through the the schedule that we mentioned. So again, we have about one hundred eighty one thousand dollars that the engine the the engineering based cost segregation study was able to find between the five year property, the 15 year property, and then the remaining piece of the 27 and a half year property. Um, compared to this year's, would have been 22,000. And again, it's um, on the first full year, it'll be 25,000. But because I bought it in February, there's a whole maker's table that you know, you can figure out how, what, uh, um, ratio to apply to it for a partial year acquisition. We won't get into all that, but, um, basically what I wanted to show here was for that first year, if you take your cost segregation, um, first year depreciation, so the 181,000 times an assumed tax rate, we're going to, we're going to assume 32%, um, in this case, that gives you a, a 
true tax savings of almost $58,000. So again, that's 181,000 times 32%. Without cost segregation, so just taking that 22,000 times 32%, you get 7,000. So that's a difference of almost $51,000. And that's like true dollar for dollar um, a benefit that you're getting. And I know we kind of mentioned in our podcast with Bonnie um, a few weeks ago that some people are concerned that if you front load everything for your first year, then it's going to hurt you in subsequent years. Um, so, so I just wanted to show what the second year depreciation would be in this case. So um, with cost segregation, my second year depreciation is $19,000. Without cost segregation, is $25,000. So once you apply that tax rate to it, you get $6,000 for cost segregation, $8,000 without cost segregation. So a negative $2,000 difference. So I kind of boil this all down to, what would you rather get $51,000 this year and with having to give up $2,000 in subsequent years? Or would you rather, uh, you know, keep things just simple, you know, without the cost segregation? Um, and I would rather get $51,000 this year and give up $2,000 in subsequent years. I don't know about you, Chris. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And so when you're talking about those numbers, that is the benefit. You're getting $50,000 and mm-hmm. $2,000 on a benefit based off your tax bracket, right? Yep. Yeah. So let that sink in. Because um, I've had, and I've had people ask me that question. I had that question myself uh, two years ago, really started digging this topic and, you know, getting interested in doing it myself. I ran the same scenarios, came up with a very similar, you know, numbers to you. And I mean, think about it. If you get $50,000 today versus $2,000 a year, it's very hard to do much of that $2,000 a year and anything meaningful with real estate. Put in a savings account to save up for a down payment, not going to move the needle. I mean, you could take the money and dollar cost average in the stock market, which is not a bad strategy. But again, it's a very, you know, a, a relatively minor amount. Um, but $50,000 today, think about this. What happens if you go reinvest that, go out there and Jenny uses that to go out there and, and buy a property? Um, maybe with some other cash she has to go out there and buy it. Does another cost sake? And you can kind of layer things on top of there. And that's my strategy is any money I, I get from tax savings this year and cost sake. I'm making myself go invest it again to hopefully kind of like keep that cycle repeating as much as possible. Now, obviously, it's not an infinite cycle, but if you can start stacking that way and great, invest it, make another 20% on that money um, year over year, like that adds up. And this is one of those very, very powerful uh, concepts that if you do repeatedly and plan it out, can just have a huge difference in wealth building. I mean, an extra $50,000 a year to invest. That is significant. I mean, that that will buy you something. Yeah. And, and it like, buys, I mean, Denver right now, but it buys something <laughs> Pueblo other markets. Yeah. Um, you can invest it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's just, it's funny because when we're talking about the cash flow, um, you know, a few slides ago when I said that is cash flow break even, I don't know. Do you think that, no, it's actually cash flow 50,000, <laughs> 57,000 this year. Um, 
Actually, can you go back to that slide real fast? Yeah, I know it's yeah. Not the live spreadsheet, but it's. Uh, I mean, okay, so your total return is fifty-eight thousand, including eight thousand depreciation. So we can assume like another forty-two thousand off the cost seg. Mm-hmm. So that basically takes your gross return from fifty-eight thousand to about a hundred thousand dollars. Now it might not necessarily be in year one because you get the cash flow next year, but keep it simple. Say a hundred thousand dollars. Well, that almost doubles your return with all that being cash, which is always nice to have. And I'm assuming it would probably double your percent return, taking you from a 28% to what's like a 56% plus type return. Like that moves the freaking needle. Yeah, that's significant. I mean, especially um, since we put $200,000 down. um, Quarter your money back. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic, right? So yeah, it, it, this, uh, I mean, I, I guess I would have to say that um, it took me doing it personally for me to really have my eyes open to the power that, that this can allow. And, you know, I'm just thinking, I'm like, man, what if even on a larger scale, um, people do this? So, like, it's just very um, phenomenal what you can realize from that. Well, and that's how you hear a lot of these, like, you know, very, very wealthy, like, you know, the the billionaire type real estate investors, and they pay, you know, nothing in taxes, or they pay less than their secretary does in taxes. Mm-hmm. It's depreciation. Um, yeah. A lot of times, that's the reason why they're paying essentially nothing in taxes. Like, now, we won't get into, you know, politics about that or, <clears throat> or anything like that, more just stating, you know, hey, stating numbers and stating reality. That is the wealth building tool that a lot of these, you know, very wealthy people are using. Um, and this shows exactly why. So yeah, you can scale up tremendously with it because people with, uh, you know, more commas, their net worth than all of us, they're <laughs> using it and they're using it, uh, you know, to save a lot of money. Yeah. And I know, um, kind of a fun conversation that you and I have had that we won't get too far in the weeds is if you're able to leverage less than what your depreciation benefit is. Um, and I know you've kind of made it a little bit of a game for yourself to... Wait, wait, say that again. I, I did not follow you. Or excuse me, leverage more, um, put down less than what your depreciation benefit would be. So I know that you're trying to do max leverage on a couple of your properties and then do a cost seg study on it so that you know, you're hoping to put down less than what you're getting back on that. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've not achieved that yet. Um, you came pretty close I've on achieved, one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the best I've achieved is about 50%. Yeah. Um, I put down as a house with the AD, I put down like $75,000. I think I got like, actually, look at my numbers right here. Um, the cost seg was just over $90,000. So multiply that times the tax bracket, and that uh, got me more than half the way there, which was just, silly um and i did this this is probably about a year ago and change so i put down 15 percent on there which is you know about the lowest investment and lowest loan down payment due for investment property and i got more than half my down payment money back so you it's, put down seven and a half percent essentially i never you know what that's so funny i never actually thought about that way uh but yeah yeah that's so yeah my mind never put that together like that. Yep. So, I mean... That'd make a great title for a podcast, Jenny. 
<laughs> that's, that's clickbaity though. I like it. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm here <laughs> for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just kind of funny. Like, you know, Burr is such a, um, a coveted strategy in real estate, but there's more than one. I mean, but it boils down to is just not having a lot of your own cash in a property. So this is one way to do it. I know you talk about house hacking. That's another phenomenal way to to have minimize your cash in a property. So it's just kind of thinking outside the the box. And um, you know, there's more than one way to to get the same result in real estate. And that's that's why I love it so much. Yeah. And I think that's a really good thing to know is, um, you know, because I mean, they're all like burring is a very different strategy of, you know, hey, you have to source deals, you have to go out there and rehab the property. Um, It's a very active investment type. Mm -hmm. Um, And that plays really well for some people's strengths with the time and knowledge and skill set to do it. Um, Me personally, I don't have that desired bandwidth right now. Um, But this type of I call it more like financial engineering which is the term someone said this morning, I'm going to start using it now for this. <laughs> Financial engineering, that's a lot more my speed where uh, it's it's all just manipulating numbers and pulling different levers, which is really nice. Yeah. I mean, that was probably the easiest 30000 that you've made ever by just calling your cost seg person and being like, Hey, can you, can you pull a report on this? You know, can you do a study on this? Pay them, write them the check and be done with it. Right. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, it was the easy button. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of, it's kind of fun when you learn more concepts like that for yeah. sure. So, yeah. So just to kind of, you know, put a bow on everything that we just talked about, um, just highlighting that cost segregation studies, they're not for every investor. They're not for every in- investment property. Um, but in certain situations, they are extremely beneficial and powerful, um, you know, and then just again, have, just use the the topics that we talked about to tailor that to your conversation with your tax professional and your cost segregation professional to see if it works for your tax profile. Um, and then again, just you know, if if it does happen to to work for you, consider the time value of money when considering a cost segregation study. Um, in addition, to assuming that it, it works for your taxable situation, but. Yeah, having um, a, a large uh, set of money today is, you know, um, going to be worth more in the future than, you know, a dollar tomorrow, that sort of thing. So um, just, you know, a couple of key takeaways on that. Just We just wanted to make this a, a dialogue point um, for you to have to, to put in your toolbox. And you did a great job putting this together, Jenny. So thank you. Thanks, Chris. And... If anyone has any questions, reach out to us. We'll do the best we can to help you navigate this. Uh, but also, happy to share. We're happy to share some CPA referrals. Uh, <laughs> and also, I have a write up um, for the different cost studies I did for a house with an ADU, a condo, and a fourplex. Um, so I've got a write up kind of very similar to how Jenny presented hers. So I'm happy to share those numbers. I'm also happy to share one of my cost stakes to the report so you guys can see a full report. Um, if you actually want to read the whole thing, great. I I read the executive summary and looked at a couple of tables. But if you <laughs> want the full report, I'm happy to share it um, because it uh, has a lot of interesting data in there. So again, we're here to help educate you guys. We want to share some of the knowledge that we're doing with our own portfolios. We're seeing our colleagues do. We're helping our clients and vision advisors go out there and execute. 
we're just big believers in adding value and educating you. So if there's anything we do for you, please let us know. And of course, if you need help in buying or selling a property or figure out what move to make next, reach out to us as well. We're always happy to sit down and have a consultation with you and give you the, the best practices and best advice that we can. So Jenny, as always, great podcast, great topic. Uh, awesome job on balancing the key points without getting uh, too in the weeds on there. So awesome job on there. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. All right, everyone. Have a great day and reach out if we can help you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.